And that gives me confidence because it's kind of what I'm talking about a bit. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's fun kind of building this new church together, right? We're going through, we've had some big changes. <coughs> those of you that don't know, we're doing like Sundays and then taking Sunday off and doing Thursdays. And on the other Sundays, we're doing like our, what we call discovery groups, which are like in our home where we have lunch together and we do our discovery Bible studies and that's the place where we want to be inviting people in and using that as kind of missional and then also freeing up the rest of our time to go and make pals and play football and have achy legs and all that. So one thing we need to work out as a church, which has been on um, Andy and I's part separately and when we were together as well praying, particularly Malaga last year, was just prayer and like prayer underpinning everything. How do we do this as a church? So we know we need to do it, right? But we, I suppose the fun bit is like working out how it looks for us as a community and what approach we're going to use for prayer. So that's why we're doing this kind of mini-series right now. So last week, Shah introduced us to the kind of idea of seasons of prayer and how that can affect how we pray life-changing circumstances or defining events can affect actually why and how and the shape of our prayers and the focus of them inward or outward all that kind of stuff um so if you didn't hear it the five um the five seasons that Shah brought to us were i don't get it number one number two was pain grief loss that kind of thing or um number three is survival and times of transition. Um, number four was growing in prayer, and number five was walking in authority. Um, so, yeah, if you want to find out more, ask Shah, or there's a recording online now, somewhere on YouTube. Um, but today we're going to look at the more of the walking in authority season of prayer, um, and what that looks like for us as a community more, because, yeah. But hear this first, so no matter what season you find yourself in or you've identified yourself in, which for me you go between them, you kind of chop and change, you may jump in and out of others depending on just life, you know, um, <coughs> that season doesn't define you, it doesn't change your relationship with God or your identity that he has given you, it just means that sometimes in life maybe we're meant to rest or reflect or to heal or to grow or as in the, the words of Psalm 23, lie down in green pasture. You know, just have a bit of a chill. Um, and I think we're really, even though we know the reality that we're in a spiritual battle, we're not always meant to be fighting. And, but what that doesn't mean to me is that, like, individually, we're not always meant to be fighting. But I think as a community, we can keep the battle going, do you know? And that's why we're so much stronger together. And that's why it's so important to be, like, together in the prayer. Um, and I love that because it's yet another reflection of, the perfect community that God is, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Um, just another piece of that. Yeah, so hopefully that makes sense. So, if you are in like a transitional time of prayer or season of life, um, just remember it's not your fault and there's no guilt or pressure there. But it doesn't disqualify you from taking part in community, corporate prayer, and intercession as well, I think what it does say is that there's absolutely no pressure there for you. You don't need to pretend that you're not 
in this season or not going through something difficult or whatever, but just come and know that you have a valid heart and your voice still counts and you're still a child of God. Okay, so walking in authority season. Um, reminder of the kind of characteristics I, I wrote up of what a prayer life in this kind of walking authority season looks like. So just <coughs> really quickly. So prayer is your number one response to almost every situation. Spiritual disciplines, fasting, solitude, all that stuff, part of your life, um, kind of regular occurrence or are coming to be. You've got a deep grasp of your identity in Jesus. You have experience of the supernatural power of God. You expect the Holy Spirit to show up every time you pray. Um, you find it hard to function without your regular quiet times um, with God. And you begin to bring people into these times of prayer as well. You begin to train them in it too, just naturally with your hunger and your openness. Um, you begin to operate and expect more of a spirit on anointing in times of prayer. You're unhindered, you're bold, you have no problem praying with whoever, wherever, whether it's Donald Trump or anyone else. Your mum. You regularly hear from God, and also, like, a step further, you're getting used to applying it and translating it and making the revelation understandable to other people. And you have a firm grasp with the different types of prayers that Jesus would use especially the prayer of command, be healed, in Jesus' name you say, obviously you wouldn't, um, <laughs> be healed in my name. So at our last um, missional community, we shower, first midweek one, we handed out these, <coughs> it was um, kind of Bible verses about our spiritual authority, I'm just going to pass them out again, you promise not to read them right now, but just use them <laughs> Um so I want you to have a look at these again when you get home. But I felt a little bit like Koi when I handed these out because I was like, okay, here's some verse on spiritual authority. We've got spiritual authority. Ta-da! And that was the end, you know. Um, I kind of gave you them to go home and chew on. Um, but I didn't actually go into it. Sorry, baby. <laughs> We're going into it now, though. It's, yeah, yeah. This is it. This is today. It needed its own space, spiritual authority. Um, so... Yeah, take them home after this, have a read through them, see what you think, see what God's telling you, chew on it, come back, let's feed back together. Um, and these thoughts I'm bringing you about spiritual authority are always um, from the perspective of praying for salvation to spring forth in our communities, our circles, networks, families, all of that stuff. Like, how can we claim that land, that inheritance? Remember the Psalm 37? Like, we've been given this land is an inheritance, but we still need to go do something about it to claim it, you know? This little patch of land that God's given our, our church. Okay, so, spiritual authority. What does it mean? So firstly, I like splitting it up, because it's kind of vague. It's like missional community, isn't it? It's really vague. So spiritual first, I think it's important because Spiritually, that's where everything's happening, right? The spiritual realm is where it's all at. That's where our prayers will wage war. That's where God's kingdom will have effect first before it comes down into the more material world, I think. Um, even though it's hard to quantify it, obviously, because we can't see it, it's definitely more real. From what the Bible says, anyway, than what we see, 
around us right here. So Ephesians 6, we all know this one. For our battle is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Heavens, in this case, translates to the spiritual realm, essentially. Okay, and then another verse which is interesting, John 4, 24, woman at the well story. We're always going there. I love that one. Um, so Jesus says here, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So therefore, if he is spirit and we're made in his image, then we, surely, the most prominent part of our makeup must be spiritual too. Which is again crazy, and where faith comes in, because we can't see it. It's the largely unseen world, unless God specifically reveals some of the spiritual realm to you, which he can definitely do. You can open your eyes to it. And I think if you're hungry for that or desire that, then you just need to ask him. It depends on if he wants to show you, how much he wants to show you. It's interesting. I've been through different seasons where he's shown me stuff and then not seen stuff before. Yeah. Um, okay, and again, Galatians 5, 18 and 22, the fruits of the Spirit kind of verses, talks about us here being led by the Spirit and showing the fruits of the Spirit and how we live out a life led by the Spirit. So the change and transforming work of God in the unseen, in the inner, whatever you want to call it, in us shows in the material world through our actions and through how we act and how we treat others and what we actually do, Okay. Does that make sense, everyone with me, spiritually? Sweet. Okay, now authority. Spiritual authority. Let me read this to you. It's Romans 8, 14 to 17. It says this. All those led by God's spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Seeing that we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. I love that verse. You want to have a look at my Bible at Romans 8? <coughs> it scratches all over it. Um, so I think the, the word here, all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. is <coughs> not... A separation of women and men I think it's a it's a show of the level of inheritance that we get it's an illustration of the place we get in God's kingdom as his children just as sons back in the day traditionally would inherit the name of the family the blessing the land so we as God's children all inherit the same amount being co-heirs with Jesus it's kind of mind-blowing in a way do you know That makes sense. So in light of that, all of our authority comes from Jesus. We get that right, because he is the one who's called us, who's saved us, who's justified us, and is building us to stand firm on the foundation of his name, especially when it comes to a spiritual battle, to the spiritual battle that we're in. Okay, to go on with authority, it says, Matthew 28, 18, it's our great commission. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, therefore, go. I think that's one that sums up a lot of our authority. So Jesus commissions us to go in his name, his authority. And you can see, like, have a look at those bits of paper afterwards. There's more stuff. It's all good, hopefully. Um, 
But here's one thing. So I've heard people teach on that verse before, and it's something that I've wrestled with because it's not quite fit with my own experience and my own feelings of authority and what I feel like the Bible says about authority. I've heard it said, so this said before, which is technically true. Okay, so we've been, we just read Matthew 28, 18, right? Jesus has what? All authority, right? Okay, so what authority do the evil and spiritual forces in the world have? None. None, right? Because Jesus has all authority, right? Okay, so I've heard that before. And then I'm like, okay, but how does that fit with the world that we live in right now? And why don't we see immediate answers to these prayers that we're praying? Stuff around us. Like, um, last Thursday you came up to me and said, why isn't that mountain moving? If I pray for it to move, um, like, what am I doing wrong? Mountain can be um, anything in our lives that literally amounted. <laughs> Both count to me. Um, and it's a valid question, do you know? And here's, here's my take on it. I think this is something that the Holy Spirit's been helping me understand. And I think that sometimes we take this out of context. I agree with the truth. Of course Jesus has all authority. But we also need to balance that with the kingdom now and not yet as well. And Andy's taught that in the past um, few months, that theology of now and not yet. So the now in that Jesus came, he lived and walked the earth, he died Three days later, he rose again and was resurrected to life so that everyone who calls on his name is saved and his kingdom comes, you know? Not yet, because Jesus is yet to return in his second coming to come and rule and to take his place. So we're in this, like, middle ground of tension because we get to see and experience both the fullness of the kingdom of God through Jesus, but then we also see the increasing evil depravity of darkness in the world too and satan's dominion over the world so let me instead of thinking i'm going like really heretical and mad here let me read some verses to you so ephesians 2 2 says this and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to, to the ways of this world according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens the spirit now working in the disobedient so I think this one in particular really portrays the kingdom now and not yet to me. We were formerly dead in our sins. That's our former life. That kingdom has come. God's kingdom has come to us. It's brought to life. Yet, the ways of the world are all according to the ruler who exercises authority. So how can he exercise Satan authority if he has no authority, if Jesus has all authority? I think it is because there's a process in this tension here of Jesus stripping away the authority of the devil and of the kingdom of darkness person by person, life by life, until he returns for his second coming. Look at these other verses here. 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are of God and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. And Luke 4, 5-6. So this is when Jesus was taken out to the desert and tested and it says this so the devil took Jesus up on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and the devil said to him I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been handed over to me and I can give it to anyone I want 
So what I can see from this is that through sins, through brokenness, through pain, through just everything that has been distorted in God's creation, Satan has gained ground and territory and authority through that. And then Jesus came and broke that and is now taking it back bit by bit. But we're still in this tension of <coughs> seeing it all happening. So, is everyone with me so far? Sweet. Okay, so what can we do in light of all this? Pray, right? We need to pray. And for me, it gives me a lot of assurance that we should pray big prayers, that we should pray a lot, all the time, constantly draw close to God. Pray big faith prayers, ask God to move mountains, but also pray with understanding of the reality that we're in. Pray with faith and pray with discernment. Discernment in the spirit is a spiritual gift, discernment of spirits. I mean, that's gonna be pretty handy as a spiritual gift. I see it often so thrown to the side because we don't understand it. Discernment of spirits, if we're in a spiritual battle in spiritual realms, then who would not want to be able to discern spirits so we can know what to pray for and what's going on? So it'd be really great to grow in that as a community, I think. But it takes the pressure off us, I think, knowing the reality that we're in this big tension, this battle, and that if we pray a big prayer, and sometimes we only see a partial answer or the answer we weren't hoping for, then it's not necessarily all of our fault, or we've done something wrong, or whatever, do you know? Hopefully it sways us away from those condemning thoughts, pushes us to be more faithful, to get closer to God, desire him more. What does he say if you pray anything according to my will? And how do you know that God's Father's will? If you're right by him, if you can hear him clearly. clearly. So, for me, I think we're right smack bang in the middle of this battle. And also, I mean, it's technically true, we've never been closer to the second coming of Jesus either, as of now. <laughs> um, just before we move on, I'm just going to read a little bit from this book. 30 Glory by Pete Gregg. Um, it's, it's good. It's about, kind of biographical, about autobiographical. He's written it himself, about his journey 24-7 prayer. To bring it back to the prayer, I think is what we're talking about here. So, yeah, just a little bit. Let me read it to you. It says this. We were discovering that prayer didn't have to be boring and benign, gentle pursuit of sweet ladies in their autumn years. It could be militant, defiant, Catalytic, even violent. <coughs> in prayer, Ezekiel summoned a mighty army in the Valley of Dry Bones. In prayer, Moses overcame the Amalekite forces. In defiant worship, King Jehoshaphat won a famous military victory. Hadn't the Apostle Paul described a spiritual battle raging all around us? Hadn't Jesus begun his ministry of 40 days of intense spiritual combat? And hadn't the kingdom always taken great leaps forward whenever he returned from one of his all-night prayer vigils? Maybe the army, I see, at Cape St. Vincent was called to march on its knees in prayer. As the 24-7 movement began to spread out from that first prayer room, we were deluged with exciting reports from all around the world. And it's just one of them. It's really good. I saw an angel in our prayer room, reported one bewildered Australian Baptist pastor. The presence of God is now so intense that many people can't stand in there. I've never experienced anything like this before. In the 48 hours since the visitation, there have been healings. I think we just saw a glimpse of thy kingdom come. Don't worry, I'm not going to keep reading. 
It's a good book. Just have a look at it. Sweet. Okay, so on to prayer. What can we do in light of this? And it's motivating. That's the thing with stories like this. And Bill Randall always says this. It's like, let's share stories. Share stories that inspire us, that build our faith, that motivate us. And that's, this book is a good example of that. It's got some great stories in there. Um, and Andy's going to be talking more soon about that, about revival and sharing some cool stories and stuff about people who just deciding that they're going to commit to praying, praying at the expense of sleep, food, comfort, rest, and allowing prayer to become the number one necessity in their lives in order to see God's kingdom break through in that battle. Okay, so what can we do as a community, personally and corporately, in light of this? I think we can do really brilliant things. Okay, so firstly, I think we all need to own the mandate to pray. So all of us individually, we need to own this mandate. We need to pray. God calls us to pray and to be proactive in our approach to prayer. So we can be proactive now because we're at the start, starting this. Don't have to wait for other people. You can be a fire starter. Get people together to pray. And think of this as well. Without your prayers, then maybe your networks and your circles, your family, your friends, they might not see God's kingdom come as fully as they would unless you claim and pray over them in love. So I think like the first shift to being a house of prayer, as Jesus calls us to, is a personal mindset. Whoa, <laughs> not say that. <laughs> Let me try that again. A personal mindset shift. There we go. Let's <laughs> practice that one. <laughs> so we need to shift and own that prayer ourselves and go for it. And me and Andy were chatting about this, is what, we, what can we do to, to encourage ourselves, to hold ourselves accountable and to support each other as we pray and we came up with this, Thursday prayer days. So here's the plan. On Thursdays every week, which works quite well in missional communities because we'll have a chance to feedback what we've been praying and what's been going on. Thursdays, see Thursdays as a day to pray for your networks, your circles, your communities, your mission field, and take every spare moment, every morning, meal times, any space you get, evenings, <coughs> bedtime, and you can do it on your own. You can intentionally be meeting up with other people in our community to pray with other friends. But know that we have a very specific agenda of praying for God's kingdom to come in our third spaces, in our networks. Um, and it's kind of like community prayer, but also individual, you know, which is good. Another thing we thought we could do is um, on our which um, what's that group? Praying for people, what? Praying for people. We could share in the morning um, just names of people that you're specifically praying for. So you don't need, you can put an explanation if you need to, but you could just put a couple of names and then what it means is that we're all sharing in it together and if anyone has set aside a whole day or wants to really pray for other people as well, they've got a bunch of names that they can pray for. So I'm excited to see what happens. Um, couple of practical tips for praying like that during a work day or a busy day or just normal life. Short and simple prayers, <coughs> like just repeat people's names, Jesus, and just bring what you said to you today. Lord, I pray that you'll remember him. You know, praise totally counts. So you could be intentionally like 
choosing to only listen to worship music and to just sing to God and to praise Him. Go for a prayer walk, especially around your area if you can, like early morning, late in the evening or whatever. Um, meet up with others to pray together if you can during lunchtime or whenever you've got a bit of space and time. Um, also sitting in just peaceful silence with the Lord, writing notes to Him, journaling to Him, whatever you find works best for you. And it's kind of, you just got to do it and work it out. I'm sure there's loads more tips that you guys can give me about that. Um, here's the thing. So we're going to make Thursdays a really specific thing going forward. But we absolutely want this to leak out right to every other day. We want people to, you know, let it, let it go on to Friday, Saturday, and Monday, and Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> not praying Sundays. No, it's not allowed. No, it's too late by then. Um, okay, <laughs> we're gonna have a bit of a break and do a hybrid mini discovery group, discovery Bible study. Sorry. So, if you can all grab your Bibles if you've got them or your phones or whatever, let's turn to Ephesians six, eighteen to twenty, and I want you to try and get into groups of three or four. 